0: Welcome to the His Hill Podcast. My name is Kelly D'Arty, and I'm your host. Today we're gonna to spend some time in the book of Jonah, chapter one, verses one to three. Before doing so, I have a question. Do you ever feel like the Lord has nothing to say to you? I wonder if the problem is not that the Lord doesn't have anything to say as much as we have a hard time listening. I'm thinking of uh, Peter as he was on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus and so excited about all that he was seeing coming up with a wonderful plan and telling Jesus all about it. Then we read in Matthew 17, verse 5, And behold, a voice out of the cloud said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. Listen to Him. You know, we get so busy sometimes with our own ideas, our own plans, that we don't listen to Jesus. My family has a little dog. He's a Westie. His name is Winston. Winston the Westie. Winston has a mind of his own. You know, he's a Westie, and if you've ever been around them, you know that's just what they do. We had him in the backyard one day playing with him, and a squirrel ran across the yard. Well, he completely forgot about us and just ran after the squirrel around the house, uh, uh, across the front yard, across the street, toward the neighbors. And the whole time, Arlene and I are chasing him and yelling, Stop! 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 Now, he probably hears what we're saying. He hears the noise, but he's not listening to us because he has in his head that what he's doing is the right thing to do. It's the right way to go. I wonder if we do the same thing. I wonder if we're so busy with what we believe to be right that we don't listen, we don't hear what the Lord has to tell us. Well, here... In chapter 1 of Jonah, beginning in verse 1, we read this The word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. So he went down. To Joppa, found a ship which was going to Tarshish, paid the fare, and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. What does that mean? The word of the Lord came to Jonah. Well, I think there's three things that jump out in these first three verses of the book that kind of give us some insight as to what that means, what is involved with that the word of the Lord. First of all, in verse 1, we see the initiative of the Lord. He takes the initiative. He is the one to speak to Jonah. And I have found this to be true throughout Scripture, that God takes the initiative toward us. In um, one, Psalm 139, we see this take place. Beginning in verse 13, all the way to verse 18 we read this for you formed my inward parts you wove me in my mother's womb i will give thanks to you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made wonderful are your works and my soul knows it very well my frame was not hidden from you when i was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth your eyes have seen my unformed substance And in your book were written the days that were ordained for me, when as yet there was not one of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would outnumber the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. We see the depths of the initiative of the Lord toward us that he gives thought to us before we are even formed. He knows all the days of our life before we even take a breath. He is with us before we even are. I was once on an airplane flying home, and uh, the gentleman sitting next to me turned out to be a newspaper editor. He was the editor of three papers, and... What had been involved in the media in New York City and knew some of the leading political figures uh, of the day. And uh, being that this was really what he was doing, this is what he was all about, he started to talk to me about politics, started to question me on my thoughts, and then uh, and we, it, the conversation moved into moral issues, which unfortunately today is also part of politics. He asked me, does the Bible have anything to say about abortion? And I said, yes, it does. He said, really? I said, sure, would you like for me to show you? And he said, yes, please. So I pulled my Bible out and I opened it. Now, when I opened it, it literally fell open to Psalm 139. And I looked at him and I said, well, look, here it is. And he just couldn't believe it. He said, are you serious? Really? No, really? (laughs) I said, yes. And I told him it wasn't the first time that that's ever happened. He just couldn't believe it. So I read these verses, verses 13 to 18 to him. Then I looked over at him, and he was just staring at my Bible. Then slowly turned his head toward me and said, Well, there it is. And I said, Yes, there it is. God does have something to say to us about abortion. And he, his initiative toward us is so great. We can't comprehend it. I mean, he knows the number of our days, and each day he knows what we will be doing, and he gives thought to us before we even exist. He knows our unformed being. Wow. His initiative toward us, his thought toward us, are precious, as the passage says. And then, in verse 2 of our text, we see the knowledge of the lord again in verse 2 arise go to Nineveh the great city and cry against it for their wickedness has come up before me he knows he knows all that is going on nothing escapes his attention in psalm 139 verses 1 to 6 we read this "O lord you have searched me and know me you know when i sit down and when i rise up you understand my thought from afar You scrutinize my path and my lying down, and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before, and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. The Lord's knowledge is beyond our understanding. You know, once when I was about 13 years old, I remember my mother, who was downstairs in the kitchen. My brother and I were upstairs in our, in our rooms. We heard her call out say, Boys, it's time to get up. It's time to go to school. So we said, Yes, ma'am, and we got up. Now, I was and am notorious for having a hard time getting up. So I got up that morning and I staggered to the bathroom. I brushed my teeth and I staggered back to my my bedroom. I sat down on the bed and I put one leg into my pants and then just meditated. (laughs) About a minute or two went by and I heard my mom say, Kelly. And I said, yes, ma'am. She said, put your other leg in. She had not even come upstairs. She just knew me. She knew. This doesn't compare to the knowledge of the Lord, of what He knows. And we find in Psalm 139 of what He knows about us, our sitting down, our rising up, our path. He knows us. His knowledge is too wonderful for us to comprehend. And then, in back in Jonah, in, chapter, uh, in verse 3 of chapter 1, we we see the presence of the Lord. But Jonah rose up to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. And then at the end of that verse, he paid the fare and went down into it to go with him to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But he finds out quickly he cannot escape the presence of the Lord. The very next line, the Lord hurled a great wind on the sea and there was a great storm on the sea So that the ship was about to break up. The Lord hurled a great wind. In verse 17, it says, And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow Jonah. And then in chapter 2, verse 10, Then the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah up onto dry land. The presence of the Lord. We cannot escape the presence of the Lord. Again, in Psalm 139, verses 7 to 12, we read this. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me. If I say, "Surely, the darkness will overwhelm me, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you, and the night is not bright as the day or, and the night is as bright as the day. Darkness and light are alike to you. Again, verse seven, Where can I go from your spirit? The presence of the Lord we cannot escape the presence of the Lord. You know, I became a believer when I was nine years old. And I then, for the next 14 years, tried my best to be like Jesus, only to find that it was impossible. By the time I was 23, I was completely burned out. And I was really ready to quit. What I thought I was quitting was the Christian life. But the Lord quickly showed me that that was not the Christian life I was quitting. That it was my imitation of the Christian life. And it was at that moment the Lord began to show me that the Christian life was not about me trying to live like Jesus. But the Christian life is all about Christ living his life in me. It is the Christian life. C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N not the Kellyan life, the Christian life. And from that moment till now, I was 23, now I'm 56, there has not been one day that the Lord has not made His presence known to me where I have not been conscious of His presence. And I mean not only in the good days, but the bad days, the hard days. Not only when I am obedient But even when I am disobedient, He is faithful, and His presence has always been there. The Lord's initiative toward us, the Lord's knowledge of us, and the Lord's presence for us. This is to be the norm for the believer. This was God's intent in the garden where we find that He created man in His image by putting His very life in us, His initiative toward us with His very life in us, and then His very presence to be known as He walked in the cool of the day with Adam and Eve. They recognized the sound of Him walking in the garden in the cool of the day because they've heard it before. This is what we were designed for. God's initiative toward you, God's knowledge of you, God's presence for you. How will this be a reality for us now? Well, as it has always been intended, God's initiative toward you in Christ by His very life. In Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3, we see that this is the reality for us now. God's initiative. Toward us in Christ, where we read Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. God, after He spoke long ago to the fathers in the prophets, in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in His Son, whom He appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. And He is the radiance. Of His glory, the exact representation of His nature, and upholds all things by the word of His power. When He had made purification of sins, He sat down at the right hand of the Majesty on high. God's initiative toward us in Christ. God has spoken to us in Christ. And in doing so, He has given us a complete revelation of Himself. And he, Christ, is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of God's nature, upholds all things by the word of God's power. And when he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. God has made himself known to us in how he has spoken through Jesus. And also in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, we see God's knowledge of us in Christ. Chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. The word of God is Christ himself according to the context of Hebrews. And so God's knowledge of us is in Christ who lives in us as far as the division of soul and spirit, both joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And then finally, in Hebrews chapter 13, we are reminded of the presence of God in Christ. And verse 5, the last part of that verse, we read, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. So that we confidently say, the Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid, what will man do to me? Verses 5 and 6. The presence of God for you in Christ. So the initiative toward you in Christ, God's knowledge of you in Christ, and God's presence for you in Christ. God has something to say to us in Jesus. Are we listening to Him? I was once a youth pastor. And one of the girls in the youth group was very dedicated. She was very regular. She attended all the activities, all the Bible studies. She was a a very well-liked individual. She was an encouragement and an encourager. People just loved her. She was very funny very engaged in all that we did. But one day her demeanor completely changed. And I mean, it happened overnight. I was concerned about this. She was not her, her normal self. She was very quiet, very withdrawn. Her friends noticed it and were concerned, and they came to me and said, Kelly, you need to talk with her. And I said, I know, and I'll be doing that. The day came for us to have the talk and we sat down and I looked at her and it was just wanting to know, you know, what's what's going on. And she looked at me and she said, Kelly, what does it mean when you pray to God and you don't think anybody is listening? Have you been there? Living a life, perhaps years of trying to please God and be like Jesus to the point that you... (laughs) you really feel like there's nobody there. You're frustrated. Maybe you've forgotten the truths that you once knew. And she said, I'm always praying to the Lord, asking Him to forgive me of my sin, but then I think, what's the use? I'm just going to do it again. Have you been there? Have you been there so frustrated Realizing that you're never going to be able to get this right? I looked at her and I said, You know what? This is not bad. This is good. And every believer has to go through this. Boy, she looked up at me and said, You better explain that. And I went on to tell her that we all have to come to that place where we realize, I can't do this. I need Jesus. I need him as much today for the life of salvation as I did for that moment of being saved. I need him for my sanctification as much as I need him for my justification. She thought on this for a few days and then I got a phone call. She was elated. She could hardly contain herself and said, Kelly, I had to call and tell you. I just found out who Christ is. He is my life. She had been so busy for him, she could not hear him. She could not hear God say that in Christ I have taken initiative toward you. In Christ I have knowledge of you. In Christ my presence is with you. This is what God has to say. Are you listening to him? Remember, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus. Thanks for listening. Thank you for joining us today for another episode of the His Hill Podcast. We hope you enjoyed Kelly's devotional on Jonah chapter 1 verses 1 through 3. We have just passed the middle mark of camp here, and it is hard to believe that the summer season will be coming to a close so soon. Please keep our summer staff in your prayers that we all continue to press on to know and show the Lord. And if you'd like to pray for rain too, that would be amazing. Once again, you've been listening to the His Hill podcast featuring our host, Kelly Doherty. Thank you so much for tuning in with us this week. Remember to keep your eyes fixed on Christ alumni. We serve a beautiful God and he is worthy of our trust. I'm Lizzie and we'll see you next week.